Hi, everyone. It's time for another two adventures from the Tales of the Texas Rangers here at 1001 Stories of the Old West. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Little Sister. It is a Thursday afternoon in September 1947. Four miles east of Winston, Texas, a 17-year-old girl gets off a bus. She wears a cheap red satin dress, spike-heeled patent leather shoes, and carries an imitation alligator suitcase. She trudges up a dirt road to a ramshackle house. In the yard, a younger girl is pouring slops from a bucket into a pig trough. Hi, Buna. Who are you? How come you know my name? How do you like that? The kid don't even know her own sister. Huh? Billy Sue. Yeah. Only it ain't Billy Sue now. That's a hick name. You just call me Billy. You changed. Your hair used to be brown. I fixed it up a little. You like it, baby? Yes. Real pretty. I ain't the only one's changed. When I left here three years ago, you was a scrawny little kid. You sure filled out. I'm 15 now. You could pass for 18. Yeah. Bet they'd even think you was 19. Where's Pa? I drunk somewhere, I reckon. He ain't been home in near a week. Yeah. He's one ain't changed none. Where you get them pigs? Pa stealing? Stole a sow. She had a litter. Billy Sue. Billy. Billy, that dress you got on. Nice, ain't it? Sure looks pretty. You reckon I could touch it just once? <laughs> sure, baby. You touch it all you want. Oh, feels so smooth. I bought it in Oklahoma City. You been all the way up there? I've been lots of places since I left here. I got myself married, too. Married? Where's your husband? Him. I walked out on him. He was a no-good bum, just like Paul. Oh. That sure is a pretty dress you got. Yeah. Phew. This dumb gives me the creeps. It's just like I did three years ago. It even smells the same. Where'd you come back for? To fetch you. Me? What for? You're going to help me. We're going to make a lot of money, you and me. How? I'll tell you all about it later. First, we going in town and get you a new dress. You going to buy me a dress like the one you got? That'll be just the beginning, baby. You're going to have ten dresses as soon as we knock over a few movie houses. Movie houses? What you talking about? You'll see what I mean. Come on, baby. We got a lot of things to do for tonight. Reckon I'm scared some. Sure. I was scared, too, first time I pulled a job. You'll get over it. 
Don't go so fast. I can't walk good in these high heels. You'll get used to them, baby, and that dress sure makes you look great. You passed the 19 easy. You remember everything I told you? I reckon so. Billy Sue. I told you to quit calling me Billy Sue. Uh, Billy, suppose somebody sees me that knows me. Forget it. You're 40 miles away from Winston. Anyhow, nobody'd know you in that dress. Okay, there's the movie house. You going up to the ticket window. You're going to be right behind me now, where you say. Yeah, don't you look back at me or nothing. Don't even let on you know me. I won't. Well, get going. Billy, suppose they catch you. They ain't going to get close to us. I've done this so many times I could work it in my sleep. But suppose when I ask her for change, she's got it. How many times I got to tell you? She ain't going to have change. Manager comes out every half hour or so and gets some money and puts it in the safe. Now, stop moving. Okay, Billy. One ticket. Oh, don't you have nothing small in there? That's all I got. Well, I ain't got change for a $20 bill. I'll have to call the manager. Mr. Bob, I need change for a $20 bill. Yes, sir. You bring it right down. You want to step aside and let the lady behind you get her ticket? One, please. Thanks. Here you are. Thanks. Something I do for you, man? Yeah, leave that safe open and put your hands up. What? This is a stick-up, Buster. Look, you can't get Shut away up. with... Now, give me the money out of that safe and don't try nothing funny or I'll blow your head off. Now, look, Get moving. Know... All right, all right. Yeah. Now, you get over in that corner and turn your back. What are you going to do? Just get over there and turn around. That's right. This is what I'm going to do. <laughs> And one more. That'll keep your mouth shut for a while. Come on, baby, let's go. Hey, ain't you going away? No, I changed my mind. The robbery was discovered a few minutes after the departure of the two girls. The deputy sheriff of that area was summoned and assistance was requested from the Texas Rangers. Forty minutes after the crime was reported, Rangers Jace Pearson and Clay Morgan reached the theater. Report said the cashier could tell us about it, Jace. Yeah, it's probably her talking to those people just inside the door. Yeah, let us through here. Let us through, please. Evening, ma'am. Are you the cashier here? Oh, yes, I am, Ranger. Now, I can tell you everything that happened. It was terrible. It was just terrible. Uh-huh. Is the deputy around, ma'am? Well, no, he didn't. He took poor Mr. Bob down to the hospital, but I can tell you all about it. Just the way it happened. I was the only one seeing them both, and I was just telling these people here. I was in a ticket booth, and... If you li- don't mind, maybe we'd better go someplace a little more private. Oh, uh, well, we could go up to Mr. Bob's office. I don't reckon he'd mind. That'll be fine. We'd like to see the office anyhow. It was just awful. Ranger, the nerve of them two little old hussies. How'd you know it was two of them? Well, I seen them. The one went in, and when she come out, the two of them went off together. Well, I might have been killed. Yes, ma'am. Everything in this office been left just as it was? Well, there was a few people in here before the deputy come. We had to get poor Mr. Bob out of here, you know. Uh-huh. Take a look around, Clay, see if you can find anything. Okay. You get a good look at both these girls, ma'am? I sure did, Ranger. I'd know them any place. Suppose you tell me what they looked like. Well, a little one. She was the one come up to the window first and gave me the $20 bill. She had on a loud green dress, and she's all painted up like a... 
Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, how old would you say she was? Well, not very old. 16, 17 at the most. I remember wondering how she'd come to have a $20 bill. Mm-hmm. The other one was older? Yeah, I reckon she was. She was real hard-looking, and she had blonde hair. Of course, it wasn't natural blonde. I could tell that right away. Anything else you could remember about them? Well, no. Except they looked a little bit alike, not counting the older one's dyed hair, of course. Not much around, Jay. Some bloodstains over in the corner. Manager must have taken quite a rap on the head. Oh, he did. Poor Mr. Bob. When he come to, he looked so awful, like a walk-in ghost. Of course, it wasn't walk-in, but that's the way he looked. Uh, do you remember which direction the girls took when they left the theater? Indeed, I do. They went down to a Grossman's drugstore. Thanks. You have a key to this office, ma'am? Why, yes, downstairs in my purse. Would you mind getting it? We'd like to lock the room up till we get a lab crew here. All right, Ranger. You uh, sure there ain't nothing else you want to ask me? Not right now, ma'am. Oh, well, I'll be right back in just a minute. Mm. Yeah, she'll sure have something to talk about for a while. Yeah. What do you want to do after we close off the room, Jays? Check the area around the theater? Uh-huh. Somebody might have seen the girls when they left here. Maybe they haven't had a chance to get too far away yet. We didn't have to check far. News the robbery had gotten around. A witness who'd been standing outside the drugstore was positive he'd seen the girls drive away in a blue four-door sedan. The record showed that a car of that description had been reported stolen from a service station in Winston at 5 that afternoon. We were fairly sure this was the getaway car and alerted all units. Following morning, we took statements from witnesses, including the injured theater manager. At 2 p.m., we received word that the car had been found parked on a side street in Farrell, Texas, 60 miles away. We went there and began looking over the car. Clay, come here and take a look. What'd you find, Jason? Lubrication sticker on the door frame. Car was greased yesterday in Winston. Speedometer read 3250 then. They only put 102 miles on the car after they stole it. It's just 100 miles back to Winston. It didn't make any side trips. I reckon not. See what you can find here in front, Clay. I'll go over the back seat. Right. Blonde hair stuck in this upholstery. Here's a cigarette butt on the floor. Enough lipstick on it to start a cosmetic factory. Mm, no doubt about it now. This was their getaway car, all right? Young punks. That cashier at the theater was right. They did have a lot of nerve. Probably more nerve than brains. I don't know. Took pretty slick timing to catch the manager while he had the safe open. Well, there's not much back here. Are you nearly finished? Yeah, just about. As soon as I check this... Hey, Jase. Here's some string. Let's see it. Hmm. Way it's not, it looks like it was around the box. Yeah, could have been something these kids were carrying when they got into the car. Yeah. Well, let's get over to the hotel and start asking questions. You figure they might have stayed here in town last night? I don't know, but that's something we're going to find out. We went to the hotel. Nobody answering the girl's description had registered there. We drove back toward Winston, checking motels along the way. Five miles from the place where the car was abandoned, we got our break. The owner of the Half Moon Motel, a man named Jensen, told us the girls had been there the night before. You just step this way, Rangers. I got your card in the office. I wrote the license number down myself. What time did the girls check in last night? Well, it's long about midnight. They woke me up, they did. Of course, in this business, you get woke up pretty every night. Uh-huh. Uh, let me see. I got the cards right here in this box here. Uh, you know, I don't like to be nosy, but these gals done something wrong. They might be the ones who held up a movie theater last night. Is that so? Well, you know, I kind of thought that blonde gal was no good. What made you think that? You know, the kind of talk she was using. And I could smell liquor on her ten foot away. 
cheap stuff it was, too. Uh, you find their card yet, Mr. Jensen? Hmm? Oh, 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 yes. Let's see here. Uh-huh, here it is. Helen and Agnes Wilson. Probably using phony names, Jason. Yeah, but the license number on this card is the same as the one on the stolen car. Can you show us the room where the girl slept last night, Mr. Jensen? Yeah, I'd be glad to, Ranger. You just come along. They had cabin three. It's right across the way. You know that blonde, she talked like she's been around. But the little one, why, shoot, I wouldn't think she'd been nowhere. Why do you say that? Well, the way she was gawking and fidgeting around in that flashy green dress she was wearing. And when I took him to the cabin, she ran right to the mirror and started looking at herself. Just like she hadn't had the dress long. Here we are. Uh Uh-oh. What's the matter, Ranger? You cleaned the room up. Oh, gotta keep them clean. The fellow had the business for me. wasn't so particular. Had to have the exterminators out here three times. Where'd you put the trash you took out of this room, Mr. Jensen? Well, there's one box out here. Hey, there, it's down at the corner of the next cabin. The other one's back by the incinerator. My wife was fixing to burn it. I'll see if I can stop her. Thanks. Come on, Clay. We'll go through this box in the meantime. Won't yeah. be but a minute, Ranger. I'll empty it, Jason. Boy, the things people throw away. Toothbrushes, combs. Hey, look at this. Cardboard box with an old shirt and a pair of jeans inside. Wait a minute. Let me see that. Remember the wrapping string you found in the car? It was knotted just about right to fit around this box. Yeah, and these old clothes, about the size a kid might wear. Something else under this tissue paper. Price tag, size 12, $6.95. Might have been a dress. Close the box a second, Jace. There's a name printed on the outside. Mm-hmm. Morrison's Department Store, Winston. Well, the car was stolen in Winston. If this box did belong to the girl, seems like they spent a little bit of time there. Yeah, reckon we'd better get over there ourselves. I'm sorry, Rangers. My wife's already burned that other box of trash. That's all right, Mr. Jensen. I think we found what we want. In fact, it might be just what we want. In a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. In the armed forces of our country today, 40,000 women are working side by side with the young men of our country, filling important, highly specialized jobs of all kinds. To complete the great defense structure we are building to guard our country's freedom, 72,000 more women are needed in all branches of the service by the middle of the year. Women play an important part in the work of all our American armed forces. The Air Force, for example, has discovered that nearly three-quarters of its different jobs can be done by women. And the woman in uniform holds a proud position, absolutely equal with men in pay, benefits, and opportunities for training and travel. The requirements? She must be between the ages of 18 and 34, in good health and without dependent children. Young women with college degrees or the equivalent may qualify for officers' commissions. Registered nurses and medical specialists also receive commissions and are urgently needed. If you can qualify, you'll be doing a service to your country and yourself by enlisting now in the American Armed Forces. And now back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story... Little Sister.
was late in the evening when we arrived in Winston. We checked into the hotel, and at nine the next morning, we headed for Morrison's department store. Inquiries proved that the price tag we had found in the motel trash box had come from a dress purchased in the store. The manager directed us to a Miss Daisy Riddell, who ran the dress department. We waited while she finished with a customer. Here's your change, Mrs. Dorothy. Oh, I'm sure you like your dress. Goodbye. I'm sorry I kept you waiting, Rangers, but it's Saturday. You know, we're always so busy on Saturday. It's all right, Miss Riddell. You just call me Miss Daisy. Everybody in town does. What can I do for you? The manager said this price tag came from your department. Well, let me see. Mm, $6.95. Yes, that's ours. One of our less expensive numbers. We think a young girl we're looking for bought it here. We thought you might be able to help us. Oh, well, do you have any idea when she bought it? We're pretty sure it was Thursday, ma'am. Thursday? Well, let me see. That was the day before yesterday. You remember what color the dress was? It was probably green. Green. Would you step over here with me, Ranger? We don't sell many of these six ninety-five models. In fact, we've had a dreadful time selling them. Between you and me, I don't know whatever possessed Mr. Morrison to buy them. Was it a dress like this one? Uh, we've never seen the dress, but I think it would be a brighter green. Well, I see. Now, what about this one? Yeah. Yeah, that looks more like our girl speed, doesn't it, Jace? Uh-huh. Fits in pretty well with the descriptions we've heard. Well, then I think I could help you, Ranger. We certainly appreciate it, Miss Daisy. She came in Thursday afternoon around 3.30, I think it was, with her sister. You remember their names, ma'am? Well, yes, I do. It's Simpson. The younger one's Buna, and the older one's... Uh... Oh, now, let me see. It's uh, Billy Sue, I think. Did the sister have blonde hair? Bleached blonde. She was so particular about the dress she picked out for the younger girl, and you should have seen the thing she was wearing. You know these girls pretty well? Well, I knew their mother when she was alive. She'd come into the store once in a while. Their father's still alive? Well, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he'd killed himself with drink. you have any idea where their house is? Well, the family used to live here in town, but it seems to me I've heard they live out on one of the hills near town. Now, I don't know just where, though. Would you know anybody who might be able to give us a lead on where the girls have gone? Gone? Our rangers, as far as I know, they're still around. What makes you think that? The little one, Buna. She was in here yesterday, just before closing time. She bought... Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Well, she bought an undergarment. So they must still be around. Uh Uh-huh. Well, thanks very much, Miss Daisy. I hope I've been able to help you some, rangers. I think you have, ma'am. Let's go play. We checked with the sheriff's office and learned that the Simpsons lived on a hill overlooking the main highway, four miles east of Winston. We drove there and went up to the door. Must be somebody inside, Jay. Smoke's coming out the chimney. Yeah. Stand clear when I open the door. That blonde might get ideas about using her gun. Yeah, it's empty. Uh Uh-huh. Somebody's been eating, though. Looks like they left in the middle of a meal. Yeah, one plate. Could have been the father. Maybe. Then I wonder where he could have... Hey, Jase. Out that window. Hmm? I don't see anything. She just ducked behind that shed. I think it was the little one. Come on, let's go out the back. Don't see her going up the hill. She must still be back in that shed. Fiona, come on out here. All right, Clay, you start around that way. I'll take this side. Okay. Hey, 
me with a pitchfork. She gets your bed? No, no just in the arm. Going back to the car. I'll take care of her. You stay away from me. You sure you don't want me to stick around? No, you better get something on that arm. I'll manage. All right. Be careful, Jay. She's a mean one. Yeah. Right, give me that pitchfork, Fiona. Don't get Don't you come no closer. You get Give it to me. Oh, you made me damn a dress. You shouldn't be so handy with pitchforks. Get rid of this. Right now. A dress. You made me terrible pretty dress. Where's your sister, Buna? Where's Billy Sue? She ain't here. Oh, my dress. Come on, Buna. You're going into town with us. I ain't. Come on. I ain't going. I ain't going nowhere. Yes, you are. If I have to carry you. Put me down. Put me down. Put me down. In a minute, Buna. As soon as I help you over to the car. drove Buna back to town and sent a man to cover the Simpson house in case Billy Sue showed up. As soon as Clay had his arm checked by a doctor, we took Buna to a quiet office in the county courthouse and began questioning her. We convinced her we knew she and her sister had held up the movie theater. When she realized that her sister was free and she alone would be punished, her resentment toward Billy Sue began growing. That dirty Billy Sue, she got me into this. Where is she, Buna? I don't know. Dirty Billy Sue ran out and left me. When'd she run out on you? Morning after we stole the money from the movie house. Told me I was going to have ten dresses just like this one. And then run out on me. Why'd she do that? On account of that dirty Tim. Had been for him, we'd still be together. Not have my new dresses. Who's Tim? Some friend of Billy Sue's husband. We see him in Farrell right after we got rid of the car we had. She planned to meet him there? No, she just run into him. Went off and nut about him. They got half drunk and Billy Sue told Tim she wanted him to work with us. He said he wasn't going to work with no kid like me, and he drove me back to Winston, and Billy Sue made me get out. Are they around Winston now? I don't know. Reckon they took off someplace. They're still half drunk. What you going to do with me? You going to put me in jail? No, you're going to be sent someplace you should have been a long time ago, to school. School? I don't want to go to no school. Oh, that dirty Billy Sue, she got me into this. She better not come around me again. Before you ran into Tim, did Billy Sue have any ideas about the next movie house you were going to hit? Yeah, we was going to get a big one Sunday night, a real big one. Billy Sue figured we'd get close to $300. Where was this? Over to Ogden. It's going to be easy. There's a lot of movie houses in Ogden. Which one was she talking about? She said it was the biggest one in town. That's all I know. You going to catch Billy Sue? I hope so, Buna. I hope you do, too. I hope you catch her and that dirty Tim both. Serve them good. All right, Buna. Now, Ranger Morgan will take you over to the sheriff's office. You'll be staying there till they come from the school to pick you up. Hey, they gonna let me wear my dress at that school? They'll give you another dress. Yeah, I know. Some kind of uniform. And this here's the only real dress I ever had. Sure was pretty before it got all tore up. <laughs> out an all-points bulletin on Billy Sue and her male companion, then we drove to Ogden and checked the movie theaters. The largest was the Rio. The next day, Sunday, as soon as the theater opened at 1 p.m., we began to set our trap. We stationed a deputy sheriff outside the theater, and we instructed the cashier on what to do and asked the manager to stay away from the entrance and out of sight. Clay and I sat alone in the manager's office and waited. Nothing happened all afternoon. A few minutes before the last show started that evening, we were still waiting. It's 10.15, Jase. 
cashier's due to close the ticket booth in 20 minutes. There's still time for Billy Sue and her boyfriend to turn up. You sure you got that safe fixed so you can open it easy? Yeah. You know, Jason, I've been thinking. Maybe we shouldn't have let the cashier in on this deal. She might tip him off by acting kind of nervous. Uh, deputy will grab him before they get away. Kind of hope they go through with the job, though. I'd like to get a good, clear case against this girl. We're still not sure she's going to show. No, but that could be it. I'll get it. Yeah? Uh-huh, hold on a second. There's a man at the ticket window, Jace. Gave the cashier a $100 bill. Tell her to say the manager should be down with the change. Tell him the manager will come right down. It looks like we might see Billy Sue any second now. Uh-huh. You ready with the safe? Yeah. You better grab her quick when she comes in. I'm going to feel like a shooting gallery with my back facing that gun of hers. I'll give you the word when to open the safe. Be sure you make plenty of noise doing it. I'm ready. She's coming. Open the safe. Put your hands up, Buster, and don't touch what? Give me that gun. Let me go. Give it to me. Absolutely. All right, Billy Sue. Now, let's go downstairs. I want to meet your boyfriend. My name ain't Billy Sue, it's Billy. Well, whatever it is, let's get going. How'd you know I was going to hit this place? We had an idea you would. I know. It was that no-good sister of mine, Buna. She come and told you, didn't she? Never mind who told us. I shouldn't have fooled with her, kid like that. I must have been crazy. You were crazy, all right, the day you started robbing movie houses. Yeah? Well, you ain't got me yet. I think maybe you better put on these braces. No good little Buna. She done this. I should have known better than taking a chance with her. Yeah, next time you have a chance, let's hope you really know better. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Later today, you'll find more great entertainment all lined up for you on this NBC station. Be sure to hear The First Nighter, starring Barbara Luddy and Olin Soleil in a light comedy drama. Then it stars in Khaki and Blue, featuring talented members of the armed forces with a well-known guest MC. And be sure to hear the hilarious Phil Harris and Alice Faye show, featuring the comedy addicts of Frankie Remley, Julius Abruzio, and Brother William. Remember, too, the Theater Guild on the Air will bring you Dear Brutus, starring Madeline Carroll, David Niven, and Angela Lansbury. Today's Theater Guild on the Air play is a delightful fantasy that's sure to please you. Yes, Sunday is fun day on NBC because of the many fine shows sent your way to add to your listening pleasure. Later tonight, you'll want to hear Jack Parr and the $64 question as Jack asks the questions and gives away the money. So remember, for fine entertainment all the rest of the day, stay tuned to this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, back to the conclusion of today's Texas Rangers adventure. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Fiona and Billy Sue Simpson were sent to the state school for girls. On Billy Sue's 18th birthday, she was transferred to Gory Women's Prison to begin a seven-year term for armed robbery and assault. Tim Walsh, the man who assisted in the attempted holdup of the Rio Theater, received a prescribed jail term. The father of the two girls was located and received a sentence for child abandonment and negligence. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. 
Ray will soon be seen in San Francisco Story, a Warner Brothers release. Virginia Gregg played the part of Billy Sue Simpson, and Buna Simpson was Marion Richmond. Clay Morgan was played by Herb Ellis. Others in the cast were Betty Lou Gerson, Tony Barrett, and Howard McNair. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's The Chase on NBC. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Every day, Monday through Friday, there's top entertainment all day long when you set your radio dial to NBC. Listen for Double or Nothing, and you'll hear one of radio's funniest quiz shows. Yes, Walter O'Keefe consistently comes up with great comedy entertainment Monday through Friday on Double or Nothing. Listen, and you'll agree. And then there's the program with a heart, Strike It Rich. The grand entertainment that Warren Hull brings you every day on Strike It Rich is just what the doctor ordered if you suffer from the housework blues. From Chicago, Tommy Bartlett brings you Welcome Travelers and interviews with the many interesting guests who each day pass through the Windy City. And for more fun, listen for Bob and Ray, those two zany comics. Then there's Music and Charm with Dave Garraway. 
So remember, every day, Monday through Friday, chase your blues away with the wonderful daytime programs on this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, here's today's adventure with the tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Unleashed Fury. It is 3.30 a.m. during the night of April 25th, 1938. Near the town of Carnesville, Texas, Ralph Lang and his wife were asleep in the upstairs bedroom of their farmhouse. Outside the house, a car pulls to a stop. And a moment later, Lang is awakened by someone knocking on the front door. He gets up and goes downstairs. All right. Who is it? Ranger Morgan. Texas Ranger. Oh. Sorry to wake you up, sir. Oh, it's all right. What is it? You hear anyone prowling around your house tonight? Why, no. Why? Well, I don't want to scare you, but we're looking for one of the inmates from the state hospital. You mean somebody escaped from the asylum? Yes, sir. About one this morning. We're checking all the houses in the area. Your door's locked? Yeah, always keep them locked at night. Uh, this man, is he dangerous? Yes, sir. He's a killer. I see. I'll have to move on now. Just make sure you keep your doors and windows locked. And let us know if you see or hear anything. I will. Thanks for warning us. Who is it, Ralph? Uh, nobody, honey. You go back to bed. Well, good night, sir. Good night, Ranger. Who was that? Texas Ranger. Well, what do you want? Nothing, honey. That ain't so. What's a ranger doing around here this time of night? Now, Ginny. What is it, Ralph? What's happened? Nothing, I tell you. Just some fella got out of the hospital. Rangers are looking for him. Why'd they come here? They're checking all the houses around here. Just wanted to know if we'd seen him. Ralph, I'm scared. Now, honey, there's nothing to worry about. Let's go back to bed. I think you ought to look around the house first. What fur? We keep our doors and windows locked. He can't... Please, Ralph. All right, honey, all right. But there ain't a way he could have got in... Besides, if he did, we'd have heard him, but now... All the same, I'd feel better if, if you had a look. Okay. Ralph, I'm scared. Now, honey, you don't have to be scared. Here, I'll switch on the living room light. Here, you see, not a soul. You better look in the kitchen. Well, Jenny, the kitchen door's locked. I'm not sure I locked it. Huh? I, I can't remember. All right, I'll go out there. Be careful, Ralph. I will. Nobody out here. See if the door's locked. Uh Uh-huh. What? You were right. It was unlocked. I'll lock it up. Now, I've looked. What do you say we go back upstairs and get some sleep? Hmm? I'm still scared, Ralph. That Jenny, man... you got to get hold of yourself. Now, there's nothing to be scared about. I'll just get this light. Ralph, and huh? Listen. I don't hear nothing. Upstairs. Ralph. Sounded like our bedroom door. Let me make sure. Don't leave me. No, honey. Come on, come on. Yeah. Closed. He's upstairs. He must have been hiding in the hall. We didn't know it. I better phone him. No, no, no. Here, here, you. Let's go. All right, come on. Shh. I can't get this flame lock. 
The light in our bedroom. It just went out. Jack, come on, we get the car. What's the matter? The car keys, they're upstairs. Oh, what are we going to do? Ralph, the window. He's watching us. Come on, we got to get out of here. When the couple reached the nearest house half a mile away, they called the police. Radio word was flashed to Texas Rangers Jace Pearson and Clay Morgan, who were covering that area in separate cars. Ranger Pearson had just arrived at the Lang farmhouse when Ranger Morgan pulled up. Jace? Over here, Clay. I checked this place just 30 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. House is dark. He could still be in there. Let's go find out. Sure hope we get him fast. I think of a guy like this Charlie Brock wandering around the countryside. Yeah. Try the door. Yeah. It's unlocked. There's the light. I'll get it. It doesn't look like he's down here anyhow. Let's get upstairs. Stay on your toes. If he gets cornered, he probably put up a fight. The bedroom door's closed. You hear anything, Jason? No. Let's go in. Not here. Reckon the Langs could have been imagining things? I don't think so. Look at this. Hospital clothes. Charlie was here all right. Probably helped himself to one of Mr. Lang's suits. We'll get a description of anything that's missing. What do you figure we ought to do now? He can't be too far away. Let's go outside and see if we can pick up any kind of trail. Might not do any harm to have a look at that barn back of the house. Yeah, we'll check there first. And if we don't find any tracks, we'll split up and start covering the area. The tough part is we don't have any way of figuring what it'll do next. Uh-uh. I wish we could see that barn better. Moon's just gone down behind the hill. We'll see all right as soon as we get a little closer. Must be pretty slippery to break out of that hospital. Yeah, vicious too. You remember his case? Well, all I know is he murdered his parents about ten years ago. Parents and two sisters. Clubbed them to death. Yeah. Wonder what makes a man go off a... Hold it a second. What is it? I thought I heard something. Yeah, there it is again. Sounds like gravel rolling down this hill. Come on. Jason, there he is. Stand on that ridge. You can see a silhouette. Hold it, Charlie! Wait, there's no use, Clay. He just went over the rise. How about that? They're the whole time watching us. He sure got nerve. More than that. Watch yourself when we get to the top. Yeah. And I'll be. Where'd he go? There's not a sign of him. He's got to be around somewhere. Let's keep moving. Charlie Brock's trail led through a stretch of brush and ended on the bank of a shallow creek. Clay went back for our horses and we continued to scour the area. By noon, we were convinced Charlie had gotten away. We decided that the psychiatrist at the state hospital might be able to give us some information that would help in our search. We went there. Dr. Gallus showed us the window of the isolation room through which Charlie had escaped. He had sawed the bars with a piece of string coated with wax and scouring powder. Oh, that's unbelievable, Ranger. Three heavy bars. And only that piece of string to work with. The patience of the man. How long was he in isolation, Doctor? Uh, about three months. Can't imagine why one of the attendants didn't notice what he was doing. It seems like he was pretty clever about that, too. Hmm. 
Little bits of chewing gum on the ends of the bars. Probably used to cover up his progress. Look at the way those bars have been out, Jase. Took a strong man to do that, even after they were sawed through. Uh, yes, Charlie's strong. He's incredibly strong. Oh, that's my call. You want to wait here, Rangers? I shouldn't be long. Oh, we'll come along with you. We're anxious to get going as soon as we ask you a few more questions. Certainly. I was saying I didn't realize how strong Charlie was till we had to put him in isolation. What happened? Well, we had just admitted a young man to the hospital, school teacher. One day he was talking to Charlie. Now, something he said must have made Charlie angry. Did Charlie attack him? Yes, he did. It took six attendants to get Charlie under control. He almost killed the school teacher. Was that the first time you had trouble with him? Yes, he's always been very quiet, too quiet. We weren't able to do much with him in the way of therapy. What about his killing his parents and sisters? Were you ever able to figure out the reason for it? Yeah, it wasn't easy to get Charlie to talk, but we gathered they'd always made fun of him. He'd been taken out of school when he was 16 and still in the fourth grade. And his family didn't let him forget it. He was older than 16 when he killed them, wasn't he? Yes. Oh, just a second, Rangers. I, I have the key right here. Wasn't Charlie in his middle 20s when he came here? Uh, 24. Seems he ran away from home after he was taken out of school. He came back to Cedar Bluff. That's his hometown eight years ago. Well, after he'd been home only two months, he... Well, you know the rest. Uh-huh. After you, Rangers. Uh, excuse me while I see what the call desk wants. Dr. Gallus, do you want me? Oh, just a minute. Uh, desk has a message for either one of you. I'll take it, Jason. Ranger Morgan. Yeah, hold on. Uh, I certainly hope you catch up with Charlie soon, Ranger. So do we. He's dangerous. He's extremely yeah. dangerous. And completely unpredictable. Yeah. There's no telling when he'll try to kill yeah, again. But you think he will try to kill? I wish I could say no. Sorry, but... Doctor. Uh, we better get going, Jason. Who was it? Town Marshal's office over at Rockville. Somebody spotted Charlie Brock at a schoolyard there. We took my car and made the 18 miles from the hospital to Rockville in 20 minutes. It was 3.30 when we arrived. The schoolyard was deserted. We began looking for the town marshal. We found his car parked two blocks from the school. As we pulled up, we saw the marshal just leaving a house. We got out of our car and walked toward him. Howdy, Rangers. Boy, I sure am glad to see the pair of you. Got any leads on him, Marshal? Uh, not yet. The only one seen him was Miss Knine over at the school, uh... She's one of the teachers there. How long ago was this? Well, let's see. Uh, it must have been two hours ago. And you know, I got right out to the school. He'd already disappeared. I've been looking everywhere, doing a house-to-house now. Uh-huh. You're sure it was Charlie Brock the teacher saw? Well, couldn't have been nobody else. Old Norma Canine, she don't make mistakes. Uh, she said she recognized his picture from the paper. Even if she hadn't, couldn't have been no doubt about it from the way he was acting. How do you mean? Well, uh... Miss Canine, she had the kids out in the schoolyard. And uh, she seen this fella standing outside the fence. Well, she didn't pay much attention to him. And then she scolded one of the kids a little. <laughs> and this fella starts screaming at her and carrying on crazy-like. Did he come into the schoolyard? Miss Canine, she didn't wait to see. Why, she just took the kids inside and called me. I come right out. <laughs> Darnest thing I ever seen, how I can't find him. Where's Miss Canine now? Uh, she's over at her house. You see, she don't have no car, so I rode her home in mine. <laughs> she was right upset. I guess she was. Yep. She got herself in such a state I had to get one of the neighbors to stay with her. I tell you, Rangers, I sure hope you catch this full of fast. 
I don't want no part, no maniac in my town, no sir. You say you covered all the area around the school? Well, we covered every street and every house right up to here. There ain't no place he could hide from me. Not the way I know this town. But I ain't been able to find him. Well, we'll give you a hand. It's pretty tough for you to be working alone anyhow. Well, just between you and me, Rangers, I'd be happy if it was you calling him and not me. I don't mind handling traffic offenders. But this maniac, uh-uh, he's something different. We know. Our radio station's standing by to flash us in case anything happens. How will they know? They asked your town operator to call them. I'm going to get me a radio in my car one of these days. Mighty handy thing to have. Especially when you got something like this here Brockfella loose in town. Yeah, well, we'll see you later, Marshal. I hope you get him, Rangers. I sure hope you get him. Figure he might still be around, Jace. I'll even try to guess. How close we were to him last night. He was watching us the whole time we were around the Lang farmhouse, and we didn't know it. Yeah, and that was the second time in an hour I could have had him if I'd known. Well, I reckon the best thing to do is cover the outskirts of town. Maybe we'll be able to spot him somewhere along the... Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead, KTXA. Has Unit 10 arrived in town of Rockville? Unit 10 in Rockville. Go ahead. Investigate house at 573 Oak Street. Man has attempted to strangle a Miss Laura Stanwyck. The seventh believed to be Charles Brock. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. You've seen it happen time and time again. Children playing, a ball rolls into the street, a child rushes after it, full in the path of a speeding automobile. Perhaps the driver stops in time. The chances are he can't. And another tragedy, another accident due to carelessness is chalked up to become a figure on next year's traffic accident statistical chart. Let's all keep this year's traffic accident rate as low as possible. Stay within the speed limit. Don't endanger your life by trying to get somewhere too quickly. Better late than never may be a tired old saying, but it's also good common sense. Be alert and careful every moment you're behind the wheel. Never drive after drinking. Stick to your side of the road and watch for warnings at grade crossings. Remember, it's your life that's at stake. You can't afford to be careless. The life you save may be your own. And now let's get back to Tales of the Texas Rangers and our story for this week. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Unleashed Fury. We drove to the address indicated in the radio call. It was a small bungalow set a little apart from the rest of the houses on the street. When we arrived, a number of neighbors were already in the house and stood in little groups in the living room and kitchen. Two or three people were comforting Laura Stanwyck, a girl in her early 20s. She was sitting at the kitchen table. Excuse us. Let us through here, please. Folks, if you don't mind, we'd like to ask Miss Stanwyck a few questions. We won't be long. Miss Stanwyck. We're sorry to bother you, but there are a few things we have to know. It was so awful. Awful. Did you get a good look at the man? Yes. His eyes and the way his mouth... Had you ever seen him before? Only his picture in the paper. He was the man who... Oh, I'm sorry. 
The man who escaped from the hospital last night? Yes. Can you tell us how it happened? Oh, I was standing here at the table peeling potatoes. I heard the kitchen door open and I looked around. Oh, it was so awful. I'm sure it was. He jumped at me. Made the most horrible sound. Like an animal. I felt him put his hands around my throat. Yes, ma'am? I think I jabbed his shoulder with a knot. I'm not sure. After that, I must have fainted. Is this the knife you were using to peel potatoes? Yes. Little speck of blood on the tip, Chase. She might have nicked him. Uh huh. Anyhow, it was enough to scare him away. Miss Stanwyck, you say you only saw this man's picture in the papers. You never actually saw him until he came into your kitchen. No. Were you home the whole day? Oh, no. I, I'd just gotten home from school a few minutes before I came here. School? I'm a teacher at the grammar school. Gee. Uh-huh. Uh, how'd you get home from school, Miss Stanwyck? Walk? I drove. That's your coupe out in front, the blue one? Yes. Where was it parked? Right outside the school building, where I always leave it. When you got into the car, do you remember if you looked in the back seat? What? No, I don't think I did. Miss Go, she's the fourth grade teacher. She was standing by the car when I got in. I remember we talked a few minutes about report cards. No, I'm sure I didn't look in the back. Even if you had, it would have been tough to see anybody if he was lying on the floor. You mean he was in my car the whole time I was driving home? It sounds that way, ma'am. Oh. That's probably why the marshal didn't spot Charlie. Picked himself a good place to hide. Ranger, you don't think that man will come back? I don't know. You better have one of your neighbors stay with you until he's picked up. Oh, that awful man. I know I won't sleep till you get him. Oh, please, Ranger. You've got to get him. We questioned the neighbors. Nobody had seen Charlie Brock enter or leave the house. Working in cooperation with the marshal and a posse of townspeople, we covered every inch of the town. At ten that evening, Clay and I went into a restaurant to get something to eat before continuing the search. Tired, Jason? Oh, not too much. I don't know. Beats me how these guys disappeared. Mm, me too. Unless he's hiding someplace we haven't thought of looking. Can't think of where that would be. We've hit just about every alley, cellar, and backyard in town. Uh, you want to hand me the salt and pepper? Yeah, you are. Thanks. Like I said last night... You can always try to outguess an ordinary criminal. Figure out some kind of M.O. on him. Or with this guy, you never know what he's going to do next. I've been thinking about that. Seems to me we do have something that looks like an M.O. You mean schools? Uh-huh. Remember while he was in the hospital, he jumped a school teacher. And today, he was after two others. Yeah? Yeah, forms a pattern, all right, but why? Yeah, it's something Dr. Gallus would have to say for sure, but it sounds like Charlie feels everything that's gone wrong for him started with school and teachers. Now, suppose it's true. Suppose he's going to hit another school. Where does that leave us? We can't cover every school in Texas. No, but there's one we can cover. One that could be a pretty likely choice for Charlie. Which one's that? Charlie's hometown, Cedar Bluff. It's only about 20 miles from here. Yeah, but how can we be sure? We can't. But if you draw a straight line between the hospital and Cedar Bluff... What's it cut through? Well, let's see. It... Hey, it does come right through here. You figure Charlie might have just been sidetracked for a few hours this afternoon and maybe the place he really meant to go when he broke out was his hometown? Uh-huh. There's more than half a chance he may be heading for the school where he used to go. He could figure that this school is the root of all his trouble. You might have something at that, Jase. You finished eating? Yeah, I've had enough. Let's get over to Cedar Bluff. arrived in Cedar Bluff a little before midnight and awakened the principal of the grammar school, a man named Dunn. 
He'd been one of Charlie Brock's teachers and twice the victim of Brock's violence. Mr. Dunn admitted that he'd been more than uneasy since reading of Charlie's escape. He also felt the strong possibility of Charlie showing up at the school. The following morning, Clay and I arrived at the school before it opened. By 8.30, the children began arriving. Fifteen minutes later, Mr. Dunn walked toward where we stood, just outside the school building. Good morning. Good morning, Rangers. Morning, Mr. Dunn. Well, you know, I, I've got to confess it. After you left me last night, I hardly slept a week. I'm sorry if we bothered you, but we thought it was necessary. Well, of course it was. Oh, uh, good morning, Miss Hoffman. Good morning. I kept thinking about Charlie Brock and the trouble he gave us when he went to school here. I expect he was a real problem, huh? Yes, he was, not it's so strange. In most ways, he was a completely backward boy. But sometimes, when it came to covering up something he'd done, he, he was actually brilliant. And we've seen some examples of his brilliance, like the way he broke out of the hospital. Well, once you've been close to him, you, you never forget him. He was like, oh, he was like some vicious animal. I can still remember the way he looked. And that was over, oh, 15 years ago. Uh-huh. And I certainly hope he doesn't show up here with all these children around. We'll be watching for him, Mr. Dunn, just in case. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to come into my office where you can make yourselves comfortable? Thanks, but we'd better stay in our car. There might be some radio calls. Besides, we'll have a better view of the school from there. Uh, your car? I'm afraid I don't see it. Oh, behind those trees, Mr. Dunn. We got out of the way, especially for Charlie's benefit. Oh, yes, yes. And call us if you want us. Well, thank you, but I hope I don't have to. And see you later, Mr. Dunn. Come on, Clay. Yeah, that Mr. Dunn reminds me of a teacher I had when I was going to school in Wichita Falls. Mm-hmm. Hey, you hear that, Jace? Remember how there were days when you'd hear that bell while you're still two blocks away from school? Yeah. You started worrying because you were late and there was nothing you could do about it. <laughs> yeah, except start thinking of a good excuse. I wonder what goes on in Charlie Brock's mind when he hears a school bell ring. Yeah, probably thinks it's the end of the world. Could be you're not far wrong. Well, we better get in and settle down. We're liable to be here all day. Ten thirty must be the recess bell. Uh-huh. Sort of funny about Charlie. You'd think if he was going to show, he'd have been here by now. I don't know, Clay. Maybe I was wrong. Well, the way you had it figured sounded like pretty good reasoning. Could be he's sleeping somewhere. Maybe he'll turn up this afternoon. Maybe. I'm beginning to wonder. If he doesn't show by this afternoon, you want to move on? Well, it might be the best idea. Get the constable to keep watching. There's Mr. Dunn on the steps. He's waving to us. Hmm? Looks pretty excited about something. Come on, let's go. Where? He tried to kill Miss Hoffman. Oh, it was awful, the way he looked. Where'd he go? Uh, uh, upstairs, I think. Come on, Clay. Right. Must be up this way. He didn't come in while we were here. Must have broken into school last night and slept here. Yeah, try that first classroom. I'll get the other one. Right. Nobody in here. Well, this one's empty, too. Might as well work our way down the hall. We gotta get... Wait a minute. Room over there. Thought I just saw the door he's shut. If he is in there, try not to make any sudden moves. Just keep talking while we work toward him. Yeah. Jay's in the corner. Uh huh. All right, Charlie. Come on now, boy. Easy now, Charlie. Nobody's gonna hurt you. 
You just come along with us. He's going for that flower pot. No, Charlie. Put it down. Put it down, Charlie. Watch it, Jake! Come on, Charlie. You're going with us now. Easy, Charlie. Grab him! She got you! Got you! Come on, Charlie. Can you hold him for just a minute? Now, let's go, Charlie. Everything's going to be all right now. That's a boy now. Easy does it. Down this way, Charlie. Everything all right, Ranger? Uh, Mr. Dunn, I think you better get back in one of the classrooms until we get Charlie down. Surely, Ranger. Surely. All right, Charlie. All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You'll be all right, Charlie. I don't belong in there. They do. They do. They do. They do. Come on, boy. Results of the case you have just heard. Charlie Brock was returned to the hospital where he was placed in a special isolation room. Despite continued efforts at therapy by the psychiatrist, Brock's condition grew steadily worse. On November 10th, 1940, Charlie Brock died quietly in his sleep. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae will soon be seen in San Francisco Story, a Warner Brothers release. In the cast, you heard Herb Ellis as Clay Morgan. The role of Charlie Brock was portrayed by Harry Lang. Whitfield Connor was Ralph Lang, and Hope Summers was Ginny Lang. Howard McNear played Mr. Dunn, and Kay Stewart was heard as Laura Stanwyck. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, it's The Chase on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.